You are listening to Pastor Mike Griner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, The House of the Once Unrighteous, recorded on November 19th, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Well, hello everybody. We are going through our um, uh, sermon series, God, Man, Woman. And this is uh, what, if, if you're uh, familiar um, with Young Life Ministries, and if you're not, don't worry about it, it'll still work. This is the sin talk. Um, we got to talk about sin. I've, uh, I got through talking about the woman's part in marriage, and no one killed me, not even my own wife. So I figure grace, the grace of God is with me, and everything's good. Um, this is not the sermon I'm looking forward to, though. Only because I don't like talking about things that aren't fun to think about. And we've got to talk about uh, sexual sin. Now, uh, uh, if there, that, and here's, so here's your warning. If there are kids in the room who are of an age that they don't know what we're talking about and you don't want to have the conversation, you've got a warning right now to go and, and see what's going on with the kids' ministries. Um, but I will be careful. I'm not, it's not going to be graphic. We said, I hope not. But it may cause questions. So, our main text for today is Exodus 20, verse 14, and I I can guarantee you all of you have already memorized this, probably in the King James. Um, I'm going to read it in the ESV. And you may say, I've never memorized a verse. You have memorized some verses. Almost everyone here has probably memorized, thou shalt not commit adultery, and that's our verse. In the ESV, you shall not commit adultery. Um, What does this mean? In the Big Ten, not the football conference, but the Big Ten commandments that God gives uh, to give morality to his people, his righteous standard, he he puts more than one about sex. We're not going to cover, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife right now, um, but it folds into this one anyway. You should not commit adultery. What does this mean? It means if you're married, you may not have relations with a person, not your husband or not your wife. Now, to which our culture would ask the question, and so we're going to to answer it. What if you're not married? May you then have relations with someone else? The answer is no. The Bible is very clear on that. The Bible looks at every person as potentially married. Um, The specific sin is called fornication, but it could also be looked at as adultery. Uh, You should not sleep with another man's wife before or after she is married. (laughs) And and women, vice versa. And some would say, well, uh, in our culture, that means since people wait forever to get married, if they do it all, that means a celibate life. And you might want to have sex. And you might see that God has created a system that encourages marriage. Marriage is the shortest distance between two points. I will uh, relate what I've related before, but it's still appropriate. I was called once by a person from Harvest who went off to college, and he was teaching um, a men's retreat, and he says, Pastor Mike, um, I want to talk to these guys about a hard subject. I want to talk to the men about, when we're alone, about lust and what they should do about it. And um, he asked me, what should I tell them? I said, tell them to find a wife and get married. And there was silence on the other end, because everyone knows Americans don't talk about marriage when they're in college. You could die if you marry in college. There's something about it. I don't know. You get scabs break out all over you. 
don't tell my son to get married yet. Well, Paul said, better to marry than to burn. Paul's very reasonable. I think that makes sense. I mean, you want sex? Get married. Have sex. Problem solved. Jesus takes thou shalt not commit adultery and marriage even farther. Because he informs us that back in Genesis chapter 2 when God said, um, when God said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, Jesus adds, for what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. The marriage is a sacred thing. And sex is part of the sacredness of marriage. Ephesians 5 Uh, Paul ups the ante even more when he says um, that the marriage is like Christ and the church. That when God invented marriage for man and woman, it was not a new idea. It was always his idea to symbolize in real life. it's, It's more than a symbol. It's really a thing, marriage. But it also symbolizes the marriage of the church in Christ or salvation of mankind. This is why marriage was always called holy. You've always heard those words and never thought about it. As this couple joins in holy matrimony. It's so boring to talk like that, but those words are very important. It's holy before God. He invented marriage. And he put sex in the midst of it. Our society says, well, two men can marry or two women can marry. Can they have sex then? Well, the answer is... That gay marriage does not exist. It doesn't exist any more than unicorns exist. Because the Bible says God joins people together. And God already defined what he joins. He joins male and female. He made a woman for the purpose that the man would have a wife. And there is no promise in scripture that a man can marry a man. So even though... We all recognize it. It's just like the emperor's new clothes. We're all seeing something that isn't there. So the answer is no. Two men may not have sex under any circumstances, nor two women. Now, if we were to go back to the 1950s, um, I wouldn't exist. (laughs) So let's not do that. (laughs) Because I was born in 63. But if we could and still be alive, I wouldn't have to say that. But today, there are many pastors teaching otherwise, in what uh, we would normally call evangelical Christian churches, meaning Bible-believing, gospel-driven churches, teaching otherwise. Um, uh, And they will answer for that before God, for they are uh, leading his sheep astray. That's our setup. The sex is for marriage. That's... That's the biggest point to make, right? But we're not going to stop there. So let me give you the goal of the sermon. And this is in our map. This is the goal of the sermon. This is what I'm going to try to present. Any sexual activity besides sex between an adult male and an adult female within the bounds of marriage is a perversion of what is good and called an abomination by the Lord. I'm not using the word perversion or pervert as an insult. Uh, A perversion means you take something that functions one way and you twist it and try to get it to do what it ought not do. That's a perversion. So um, perverted sex, if you will, 
did not invent itself. What we did was we took good sex and we twist it up. And that is a perversion. All right? And an abomination to the Lord. And like last week, I think the best shield for those who might disagree for me is simply the Word of God. Simply read, simply understood. And again, I am trusting you to understand the simple Word of God. And so it comes down to do you trust God? Uh, do you trust God? Because if you trust God, you will believe His Word even if it pushes against what your mind has trained you as normal in your culture. You know, if we went back to uh, the American South in, and let's go back to 1950 and you lived in the South you yourselves, I assume you're all good Christian people, would be against the mistreatment of black folks. Um, if you're here and you're black, you'd say, well, I'd be especially against it. Yes, you would. <laughs> if you're white, hopefully you'd be against it, but you may not speak out. How do I know that? You say, sure I would. In your brain, you're taking your culture back there. Why do I think most of you wouldn't speak out? Because most of the Christians then didn't speak out with what they disagreed with. Because the culture pushes hard and what's wrong starts to seem not so wrong. Like abortion seems not so wrong. People think they're good people, but they think abortion is okay. This is an area where what we're talking about seems not so wrong to the culture. And don't be shocked if within yourself you feel an urge to push against the word of God. Don't take that urge Trust God's word is always good. Okay, so let's let the word speak to it for itself. Leviticus 18.22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. And obviously that's told from a man's point of view. It works if you switch the sexes too. Leviticus 20.13. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed... An abomination. This is not, some would argue, well, it also says in the Bible you're not to mix two different kinds of fabrics. Yes, it does. If you're a Jew, you, had, you couldn't mix those kinds of fabrics, but there were ceremonial laws that had to do with religious religion, and there were civil laws, and there were moral laws. And this is a moral law, and it comes right out, an abomination. Let's jump to the New Testament. I'm not saying that's all there is, I'm not going to read the entire Bible in every spot. Let's jump to the New Testament, Romans 1. For this reason, God gave them is your race. I don't mean white or black. That's really not a correct use of race. I mean the human race, your species, if that works. God gave your species, humanity, up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for another. So it's almost described as if within the human race there is this push to to, to try things sexually beyond what God calls natural. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. 1 Corinthians 6.9 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral stop. In case you're thinking he's only going after homosexuality here. 
The sexually immoral is anyone who has sex with anyone to whom they are not married at any time. That makes you sexually immoral. How many people am I talking to are in this room right now? That's your history. Including if it's your spouse now. You don't inherit the kingdom of God. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers. But I married the wrong person. I just felt God told me, you married the wrong person. It's okay. This is your true love. No, that's not how it works. Nor men who practice homosexuality. 1 Corinthians 6, 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. You should not take your body and make it part of a prostitute. Now this again is talking from a male point of view. This would also though turn around and say that prostitution itself is wrong. The the idea of the noble prostitute gloriously working hard to make a living to pay for her children was noble as the effort to make a living to pay for your children is. It's an abomination to do the work of a prostitute. It's an abomination to visit prostitutes. Deuteronomy 23.17. And by the way, that includes uh, teasers or whatever naked bar is near you. It's an abomination to go and look because you're just selling women's bodies. That's all you're doing. None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute and none of the sons of Israel shall be a cult prostitute. Deuteronomy 23, 17. That should cut down on prostitution, you'd hope. Leviticus 18.23, you shall not lie with any animal and so make yourself unclean. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is a perversion. Funny, you don't hear anyone saying, well, you're not allowed to use two kinds of thread, so why can't women love their dog? (laughs) Leviticus 18.6, none of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. There's a list there, by the way, if you want to read. It says don't, don't uncover the nakedness, and that means sleep with, by the way, of your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. and Pretty much rules out the entire state of West Virginia. That, no, that was bad. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. It's nuts. Should not joke like that. But that was a joke. I love West Virginia. I love West Virginians. But in all seriousness, this has kind of gone on in English royalty. It has in history. And it's like, well, you take your sister. We got to keep it all in the family. And, and that is not good. Matthew 5, 27 to 28. You have heard that it said, is, was said, this is Jesus, you shall not commit adultery But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, this goes for women and men. But mostly men. Because the way God made men and women is different. No matter what you learned in women's studies class. Women want to look pretty. 
It's just a fact. I know that's a sexist statement. It doesn't, I don't care if it's sexist. It's truth. And I can prove it with numbers. If you said, we're only going to make money on the Maybelline products that men buy, how long will Maybelline stick around? Right? Whether it's beauty products, fashion industry, hair products, nails, all these things, women are naturally motivated. You say, what's well, socially made? No, it isn't. Every culture around the world, at all times, the women, because they're female, think more about what they look like than men. And the proof is in looking at men. But that's another subject. <laughs> And I don't think that's bad necessarily. In fact, it's good. But you want to know what's to the men's shame? If you took all the men out of the porn industry, it would disappear. Because men want to look. Now, in the way God made it, this is a beautiful thing. The man wants to admire the beauty of his wife. And that works. But if you twist it and pervert it. So what I'm saying to you men is it's, perverted and an abomination for you to be looking on online naked people to get your jollies. And I know I'm talking to a lot of men in this room who do it regularly right now and it's got to stop if you're a Jesus follower. You're not supposed to do that. Though it is not as bad as committing adultery physically, you don't do all the damage to all those people, it's still an abomination and a sin to the Lord. He's committed adultery. You've broken the commandment. In any other form of porn, I don't care what it is. I picked online. You can pick your kind. Well, this is God's view. Society rejects God's view. We live in a society that... (laughs) And you know why society rejects God's views? I'm going to tell you why. And this is the absolute truth. And you can test it yourself and see. Follow it to the end. Because they believe we're animals. We come from animals. If you've evolved from animals, you can pretty much do as you please. Now, they normally put caveats and say only consenting adults may do as they please with other consenting adults as long as it comes short of breaking bones and murder. You can do anything you want sexually. But we're not animals. We have souls. And sex is more than animal And more than physical for you. It is. It is psychological. It's deep in your psyche. It's deep. God put it there. Dogs don't have this problem. They do not go, oh, what a bad experience I had. I was in heat and all these other dogs came around. Sure, they run. But they don't. It's not in their psyche, deep in their psyche. They don't go around saying, Puppy Weinstein touched me, because they don't care. (laughs) It's in your soul. It's spiritual for you. You are not a rutting deer. You're a human being made in the image of God. You're different. Don't believe it? We live in a society of damaged folks because of sexuality. Damaged people. Porn, damaging men so they can't be intimate. 
We have so much sex, so much porn, and still Viagra has to sell. Why is that? Damaged relationships, obsessive people. You know, they, they almost never can find people who, who become really obsessive and weird serial killers where there's not a sexual link. Sex, they find a good bit of uh, pyromaniacs, a good percentage it's sexually related. Weird, okay. Wrecked families, wrecked families. If you don't believe we're spiritual, what about the fact that molested folks are wounded deeply? If we're just animals, we'd get over it like the dog. How many children have had to fight this their whole life because of their childhood they were abused? It's because we're not animals. We are designed for marriage. So what's the problem? Sex becomes problematic for me and you because of our fallen nature. In other words, if, if good sex is married sex between a man and a woman, why, why do we bother doing the wrong thing? Because you and I have desires to do the wrong thing sexually, and that's our problem. For example, consider same-sex attraction. If a man discovers, especially at a young age, that he has same... By the way, I'm not going to fight over born with it. It's too political. Um, if you're really into the subject, I'd go to a... a, a, a a website called north.com where there's actually people studying it who are trying to be unbiased. But we do know some kids from their youngest memories desire men. They might be born with it, I don't know. We do know a lot of boys who are molested will later desire men. It doesn't matter why. He discovers it, he feels alone, he feels frightened, and the world says to him, this is healthy, this is natural, embrace it and you will be happy. I can't think of any group of people more misnamed than gays. They're not bubbling over with joy. There's a lot of... Well, we'll go there. Because of our fallen nature, something's gone wrong with that fella. It may not... Let's just say it's not his fault. And it's not fair. I mean, it's not fair in the sense he didn't necessarily do anything to deserve it. But we're fallen, we're hurt. I I did not do anything to deserve to have the wonderful thing known as OCD running in my family. But it is. Why? Did we do something wrong? No, it's just we're fallen. Society says normalize the behavior and the problem goes away, but it doesn't go away. Here's another example. Consider an unloved woman. This is very common. She sees a man, knows he doesn't care that much, but she wants love, and so she gets in bed. <laughs> the world says that's healthy and that's natural. Embrace it and all will be well. Ladies, you tell me. How's that work? No, she's fallen. So she desires sex at the wrong time to meet the wrong need. She should be told, that's not where you get love. And that's not how a man proves he loves you. But her soul gets scarred. And, and, uh, another example, suppose a young man desires to be a, man, uh, a woman and a young woman desires to be a man. 
The world used to call this gender dysphoria, which would be a malfunction. But recently, they've changed. Now it's to be normalized and healthy, forcing us all to change our language. And, and the whole bathroom thing, ladies, you should be fighting against this bathroom thing because we ain't putting the toilet seat down. If we use your bathrooms, you got all kinds of trouble. Trust me. You'll be wiping off the seat. That's disgusting. Or, or we put it up and don't put it down. You'll be falling in. Hey, hey. You know, your mom ain't there to yell at you. <laughs> that's, that's just humorous, but it is probably true. Forcing people to change language. You get in trouble if you don't call a he a he if she says she's a she. But I... I, I call Caitlyn Jenner a man. Amen. That's hate speech, I suppose. Worst of all, we're now teaching children to wait to identify their own gender till they know what they are. They generally know what they are till you tell them maybe you don't know what you are. There's even the giving of, 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 of uh, puberty-suppressing hormones or drugs. I didn't know there was such a thing. So you can put off the decision. Oh, that's got to be good for your kid. But if you criticize it, you're a hater. But really what's happening is the young boy or young girl needs mercy, love, compassion, and to not be afraid to say it out loud so that someone in love can say, something's gone wrong, sweetheart, and I'm sorry about that. You may have to live with this your whole life. <laughs> but don't normalize it. Let me give you another example. One no one wants to talk about and never does. Pedophilia. If a young man discovers he desires children, the world is yet to normalize this. They, they, you can say, kill him! Which is the worst thing to say. Because if someone discovers they have a desire for children, and they panic, they say, what's wrong with me? What they need to be able to do is find someone they can talk to who treat them like they're human beings. Even me saying it makes some of you think that's disgusting. Just kill them. It's a wrong sexual desire. It's all it is. Something went wrong. No different than a man wanting a man or a woman wanting a man she's not married to because she wants to be loved. Oh, it's a bigger problem. I'm not saying the problem isn't bigger socially. If a woman jumps into bed with a man, no one cares. Rightfully so. They will put you in jail if you jump into bed with a child. But it's still the same thing. Your fallen nature wants what is wrong. And we should not normalize it. And trust me, the world will normalize this. How do I know? They normalized everything else in my lifetime. They'll start by nibbling at the edges. Telling you they're 16-year-old boys who can make these decisions for themselves. And they'll move down and they'll find a way. Because they're untethered from God. They're animals. They're not animals, but they think they are. Another example is all sexual activity outside of heterosexual marriage 
It's due to our fallen nature. There are many perversions that ail mankind that I hate to even mention and that I won't, but just to use some code names, there's necrophiliacs. There's people who, who, who like to inflict pain. There's people who like to have pain inflicted upon them. There's people who prefer watching their loved ones. There's people who prefer orgies. There's people who prefer a different partner every night. Instead of normalizing these deviant perversions, we must see them for what they are. They are sinful desires that live in the heart of human beings to do what is wrong before God. Now, I'm not talking about all those people out there. So don't amen me. I'm talking about you. And if you think he ain't talking to me, I am. I'm talking about every single human in this room. Everyone here, and many of the children who might be here are old enough, and you don't have to be that old, have sinned sexually somehow. Because you wanted to. Many of you have been sinned against. And guess what? You're going to desire more wrong sex in the future, most likely. Unless you're on medications that takes that desire away, or, you know, close to death, or both at the same time. Perhaps, no. These sinful desires, this is good news. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. They are fruit, they are not root. They are fruit, they grow, but they are not the origin of the problem. The sexual desires we struggle with are not the primary problem. They are secondary. The primary problem is our sinful and fallen natures. Because our natures are fallen, everything about us is easily twisted. All our desires are easily messed with. And so sexual sin is a fruit sin, not a root sin. The problem is our sinful natures. This is what the Bible says about you and me in Galatians 5. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. By flesh, it doesn't mean this body, by the way. The body's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It means you're old, just who you are as you were born. Sexual immorality. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, that's probably drug abuse, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enfany, enfany, envy, or enfany. Enfany is bad too. Don't do enfany. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. All those things in that list are fruits. The root is your own sin nature. Sin is something that the devil doesn't have to tell you, why don't you do that? Sin is something that you go, I want to do that. People wouldn't sin if it didn't feel good, or at least promise to. The Bible says, I warn you, those who do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, or men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy people, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom. I see people saying, yeah, you tell them gay folks. Except for you don't say gay folks. But you're a greedy drunkard. And somehow you think you're all right. The problem is your nature. 
I told you this, this is not a fun sermon. To talk about sin is not fun. But <laughs> that leads to this section. What should we do? If this being the case, if I'm in a room full of sexually, people who desire sexual perversions, and I am, no exceptions, including the preacher, then what should we do? Step one is give your life to Christ. More on that in a moment, but since most of you here have already done that, this is for you. First of all, if you're involved in any sexual sins, you must repent. That means knock it off, okay? <laughs> repent is a religious word. No one else uses it that much. So I'll put it in plain language. Cut it out. But it's deeper than that. To repent, you're going to need to confess your sin. If you are in sexual sin, best to tell someone, another Christian, who cares that you stop doing it. Not another Christian that goes, you do that, I do that, cool, we're in this together. No, not that. Sexual sin is the hardest one to talk about because there's the most shame involved. But you get through that shame, you'll be free of it. And confession gets you through the shame. Second, defeat the power of the secret. I'm going to give you a, a tool from Satan's handbook. All right? Satan's handbook. I've stolen it and read it. Not really. But if he did, this is one of the rules of Satan's handbook. You ready? The power of sin is in the secret. If Satan has a handbook, it's like, make sure they keep their sin to themselves, no matter what it is. No matter what it is, but especially sexual sin. The power over you is in the secret. You want the power to lessen? Break the secret. You're stuck on internet porn? You want to get that out? (laughs) You're amazed at what willpower you will find if someone else knows what you're doing. So the second is defeat the power of the secret. Examples. Let's say you have homosexual desires. And I'm talking to people in this room. Here's what I'm telling you to do. If, you've, if that's your secret, go to your campus pastor. By the way, I am not a campus pastor. Just I want you to know that, that each of our four campuses has a different pastor. Here it's, it's Pastor Kevin. If, you're, if you feel more comfortable, go to Pastor Dave. If you're youth or something. If you say, well, I'm not comfortable talking to a man, go to your campus pastor and say, I'd feel more comfortable talking to a woman. You say, well, I don't even want to tell them. Then go to the office, talk to one of the women, and say, is there a godly woman who will talk to me privately? Well, if I tell them that I'm a homosexual, or I have homosexual desires, what's going to happen? <gasps> They're going to love you. Do you think you're the only one? We have people in our church, who have homosexual desires that I know about. Scandal. You need someone to love you. Tell. tell. If you have a desire towards children, this is going to be the hardest because you have to trust somebody. Go to your campus pastor and trust their confidence. If you've never acted on that, you definitely need to get the secret out to someone you can trust before it takes you over. You do not want to act on that. For you will crush someone else's life as you become more and more callous to humanity. But even if you have already blown it, 
go to a campus pastor. Hooked on porn, sexual activity, same thing. Committing adultery right now. I plead you to stop. Repent and try to fix your marriage because you're destroying a lot of people. Adultery is never a private sin. Entire social fabrics of families and friends are blown apart by adultery. So Christian, repent and have courage. Now, here, here's where we get to the, the, the part that I didn't say to the Christians, because they should know this, but I want to say it to everybody in case you're not a Christian. Repentance doesn't save you. Stopping sin doesn't save you. It's just the first step that faith produces. First step that belief in God's goodness produces is repentance. And, and I want to make repentance clear to you who don't know Christ in a different way. I'm not going to say stop it and cut that out. That's another element that the Christian should always do. But really, what it really is, it's a turning away from yourself to God. And it's a decision you make. Not me. I'm a perv. No, no. God. Boom. Got it? Now, that leads to a frightening thought. You can say, well, I'm a perv. (laughs) You don't want to call yourself a perv, do you? Listen, if you've ever had a desire to do sex any other way but married and with your spouse, you're a perv, like it or not. And I'll let you call yourself, okay? If you, I'm not going to call you a perv. You call yourself a perv if you fit the definition. God, I'm a perv. I'm a sinner. I got this sin nature. And you include all the rest of the sins in there too. Greedy, envy, strife, all them other ones. I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to turn to God. What are you going to find? If you turn to Allah, you're toast. If you turn to karma, it ain't going to help. You just guaranteed you're coming back as a flea. Some people think if you turn to God, he's going to say, I hate you. Aha, and this is where the good news comes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, whoever turns from his perversions... Should not perish, but have everlasting life. When we turn to God, we find mercy, tenderness, kindness, forgiveness of sins, new life, and a clean. How would you like to be clean? You see, God became a man just like us. God is God forever, and, and, and just to become a little teeny tiny man. Somebody once told me, well, you know you can't believe in God because the universe is so big and we're so little. Well, since God can do anything... How do we know we're really little? What if in his first thought he thought, I could make them as small as electrons? <laughs> right? God could make a universe as small. You, know, you read Horton, here's a who, right? <laughs> what if we're giants? But God's so big, the universe is always going to be big. He could make us as big as Saturn and still make a universe that makes us small. But here's the amazing part. God became one of those little tiny specks of dust with us. He took on flesh and walked among us. And he, get this, this is weird. God became a sexual being. God is not a biological, he doesn't have an animal part we have. But when he took on flesh, he became a sexual being. He had had testosterone in him. He had the correct plumbing. He had the potential for sex and sexual sin. And yet, Not even for a moment did he ever have a perverted thought. Not even for a moment. 
He lived celibate for 33 years. I run into people who say, well, look, if I, are you saying that you would say to a homosexual who never wants a woman that he should live celibate? Yes. Well, how dare you say that? How dare you say that? <laughs> well, I, I dare say it like this. Jesus lived celibate. And you say, I'm not Jesus. Trust me, there have been millions of faithful men and women who have lived celibate for the sake of the Lord. You are not a cat. A cat I wouldn't trust, unless you get them fixed. Then they're not cats, they're its. But if they're, if they're left to their own, they can't stop themselves. Don't believe it? Check, you know, <laughs> go to the farms around here. But you're a human being. But not only was he faithful, he enables men and women to be faithful. He knew no sin himself, and he took on his body our sin. And I want to make it very personal. My sin, this pervert's sin, this pervert right here, who's done many sins of many kind, thought of many others, wanted to do many, and didn't get a chance. Thank God for all the times I struck out. <laughs> the Bible says it this way he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God righteousness of God what is that a religious term to be the righteousness of God means you are justified well what is that that's another strange term justified means I have been made just as if I had never sinned. Or put it another way. Let's say I was a murderer and I was on trial for murder and God goes, boom, justified. Everyone looks around and goes, he didn't kill anybody. He's completely innocent. How could it be possible that me and my evil nature can be made completely innocent? Because God sent his only son and treated him like a pervert so he could treat a pervert like his son. He bore my sin on a cross And all my sin is taken away. So now let's put this together. Those who are thinking about being Christians. That means when I hear that story that he died for me, I have to make a decision. Do I believe it? If I say yes, I'm not done. Then I have to say, I'll prove I believe it how. I'll repent. No longer me, but you. And then what happens to this pervert? I'm washed clean. The Holy Spirit of the living God comes and lives in me. And he empowers me to repent, empowers me to walk in his ways. He helps me. He changes the way I think. The sins I used to enjoy thinking about, I hate it when they ever tempt me. You can be made brand new. You might think, well, not me. I've done so many sins. I'm not like you, Mike. Your sins are probably like those easy, simple sins or something, you know. I'm definitely not like all these nice people in this room who've probably never done anything bad. I got news for you. You're surrounded by people you shouldn't sit near. You are surrounded by people who have sinned and found the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Church people are not people who sin less than you. They are non-church people who met Christ and became saved. 
If you run into churches, and there are churches like this, where everyone is pretty sure they're better than most everyone else, those people are the coals of hell. Because in their self-righteousness, they'll have seats right next to the Pharisees. But every true Christian knows. Let me show you a description of church people. You're going to be like, they dress nice, they sit up straight, they don't chew gum. No, no, no. Ready? This is the description. Sexually immoral. You can put up 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 again. Sexually immoral. Idolaters. Adulterers. Nor men who practice homosexuality. Nor thieves. Nor the greedy. Nor the drunkards. Nor the revilers. Nor the swindlers. Will inherit the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. I thought that was the list of people going to hell. Well, it is until this sentence, and such were some of you. And that such were some of you doesn't mean some of you did this and some of you didn't. The whole point was all of you did something on that list. But what happened to us? You were washed. You were sanctified. Sanctified means made holy by God. You were justified. means made innocent. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So you have, my friend, in your midst, the sexually immoral, the idolater, the adulteress, the homosexual, the thief, the greedy, the drunk. Well, they used to be, including the preacher. And this is the last blank. The church is a community of the washed and once unrighteous, the dirty made clean, the guilty made innocent. By the death of and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our King. So let let me ask, how about you? Being in this building doesn't make you better or a Christian. You have to make a decision yourself. Do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins? And are you willing to repent? That means turn towards Him. Now, don't go anywhere. We're going to say a quick prayer. I'm going to come right back. So let's pray. If this is you... Take this moment to turn your heart over to God. He can hear your thoughts. Father in heaven, I thank you that you died for my sins. I turn from them as best I know how, and I ask you to save my soul because of what Jesus did on a cross for me. Amen. I can't end without talking to some victims here. You may be here as a current or former victim of someone else's sexual sin. And uh, I guess it, we should talk about that. You could be an adult who has suffered from childhood because of things done to you that were not fair and not your fault. You could be right now be under it. First thing I want to say to you is Psalm 34, 18 and 19 is true. It's true. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all him out of them all he he knows how hard it is he will deliver you out of all of it you may feel dirty because of what someone else did you may feel unlovable jesus loves you and he sees you and he calls you and you're just as important to him as billy graham bring your hurt to him all the time and you too if you've never told anyone tell someone the secret Let them comfort you. Find a godly man or woman. But second, if there's ongoing abuse, you must shine a light on it. And I know this could take courage that I've never had to have, that you have to have. And this, you could be the person being abused. 
you could know and you've been covering up or just saying nothing. As hard as it is, you must shine a light on it. That's the step to healing, the hard step to healing. It takes courage, but you have to do it. No, you're, you're not alone. Millions of people have gone through this. And there's help, but you've got to take the step. Tell someone in a position of responsibility, a pastor, a teacher, another human that will help. Well, as you can see why, this isn't a pleasant sermon. Necessary, but not pleasant. We're humans made in the image of God. Sex in its place, no time for this part, is awesome. Guilt-free, normal, and healthy. It's part of being human. So let's not just glorify God with our lips, Christians. Let's glorify Him with our bodies. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.